Hi, and welcome to The Cosmic Circle, the friendly neighborhood companion podcast to thecosmiccircus.com, your source for news and reviews about everything from science fiction, fantasy, and comic book to more. I'm Isla Ruby, and today we have an awesome episode about the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, um, and we have some fantastic people on it. I'm joined by uh, my two friends, Brian and Anthony. How are you guys doing? Hey, everybody. It's Brian. I'm excited to be here um, and talk about this fantastic movie. Hey, it's Anthony. I wish I was rewatching the movie right now. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Red. <laughs> I'm oh, waiting I... for Tuesday, you know, discount day. Oh, oh. good call. Got to get that second week uh, numbers up too, you know, got to support the film as, as it's in theaters, which everybody should go do. So I've only seen it once. I saw it today, this morning at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And I was really surprised the theater was, t- I mean, not surprised, but like the theater was totally packed. And it was weird because I'm not used to going to movies with like a full house anymore, except for Super Mario Brothers. Um, <laughs> Which it was, was was a treat. Yes. Um, Brian, you saw it twice, right? I have seen it twice. I saw it on Thursday when it opened and I went last night as well. I was supposed to go see it today, but we're postponing it to Mother's Day for my third viewing, possibly fourth viewing. Oh, well, I think that is a great place to kind of jump into um, like your guys's overall impressions of it what did you think um did you like it or did you hate it so much that you had to watch it you know multiple times or what before i jump into my answer just quickly spoiler alert to everybody who's listening in case you didn't know because this is the review of gardens of the galaxy volume three um as i kind of stated i thought it was a fantastic movie i thought it was exactly um it was what I didn't know that I wanted it, but it was everything I needed. And as I had said earlier, having been in our world, we kind of know what's coming in these films. Um, and seeing it play out was even better than I expected. It hit all the emotional notes I needed. It hit all the, the funny parts. It was a little less funny than some of the past ones because it was a little more serious in tone. Um, but I super enjoyed it. I think that it was... Probably the best one of the trilogy, which is maybe going to anger some people. <laughs> and I'm sorry for that. But I think that it ended this, the trilogy on a really high note. So I can't beat that. No, my Ryan pretty much took all the words I was going to say out of my <laughs> mouth. So I'll second that. I really enjoyed it. I just wish, like I said, I, w- I could rewatch it already. There's, I, There were so many little things I wish I could have had time to pay attention to, but it was like a feast the whole time that... I was happy that even if I was not noticing some things directly, you know, like that sequence at the end with uh, No Sleep Till Brooklyn still is running in my head. And I, I'm so curious because I know we're going to talk about the soundtrack later and I know you're going to have a lot of things to say about that. So I love that that was one of the things that you mentioned. Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was such a strong end to um to the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, they they really stuck that, um, and it just actually, as I was watching it, I was thinking this could actually just be the end of the MCU, and I would just be very happy. Like I would, I if if this was the end of, of the whole MCU, I would just I would be okay because they did it so well, and I, I that's probably going to be a little controversial. Um, there, to say bite your tongue. <laughs> no, I I know it's <clears throat> not, but I'm just like it just was a very satisfying movie. Um, and you know, with that said, it felt a little bit long in some parts for me, I was like checking my watch and I know it had a really long run time, but I really just, I loved it. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what to, 
where to go next with it? Do you guys think it met it, your expectations? What's interesting about what you said is I think that it did feel very, like it had like a sense of finality to mm-hmm. what we got, um, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, even though I knew it was coming for like these characters, but it did feel like it was kind of like the epilogue of what was Endgame. I feel like mm-hmm. it was the first movie we really have had that's connected to Endgame in, in a bigger way. You know, we've had a lot of the offshoots of like what happened. I know like in WandaVision, we saw everybody come back, you know, and um, and we saw it in Spider-Man with the being displaced and stuff. Like this felt like it picked up a single thread of the Gamora storyline of Endgame mm-hmm. and of the Peter Quill and Nebula um, and Rocket, you know, Red Nebula and Rocket surviving through the the blip. And Peter coming back and having the Gamora um, problem, as we'll say it, not being able to be with the one that he loved. It felt like it had all of these threads that were picked up and carried on in a very um, natural way without feeling forced. Yeah. And so I, it did. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. It's cool. I was gonna say, I just think that like it, it, it felt like the the epilogue to that story, which is weird because we're this in phase five. You know, we went through a whole phase without having that epilogue for these characters. Yeah, it feels like a lot of the other, like, Phase 5 movies don't really address, like, Thanos and don't really address... I know, you know, Spidey and Doctor Strange, I guess, do, but, like, it, emotionally, there there wasn't that resolution. I feel like we got that here. I feel like we got um, some closure with Gamora or the new Gamora. I don't know if we're calling her new Gamora or what. And Peter, and I, I feel like for him too, like he, he started to understand and he, he maybe um, like became ready to enter the next phase of his life um, post her. You know, um, I will say that it felt, you know, while we talked about like this being the epilogue of, of, of that story, it felt very disjointed from the ones that we got in um, mm-hmm. Thor 4. And like, I almost feel like I want to forget for Thor happened just to be <laughs> love and thunder just because i mean did, did, did it feel weird to anyone else like it just did not feel like they were the same team that we saw in that film not at all no nope. they felt very odd you can that's tell. why i was like getting back to guardians 3 i'm like this this is the group i like they not even remotely close or did i care about them in in that movie there wasn't a real sense of joy um i like underlying their performances almost and that's really weird to say but I feel like there was like almost this undercurrent of joy with that came through on the screen um and in the performance and I don't think that was the case in Thor or even in um even an end game like it was all very very serious despite the jokes and this was just kind mm-hmm. of like friends having fun and making a movie um and I think that matters a lot actually and I I actually have a question for you guys about that because you Brian you mentioned Thor four um do we think like Drax should just be you know inserted there as, as you know the dad of everyone because this movie gave us Drax the dad sort of I don't know. should be inserted where like like in, a, in... yeah a Dra- Drax the dad as as like just pretend he was the main character of Thor 4 I don't know I don't know if that makes sense moving on anyway <laughs> no I, I was I gonna say yeah <laughs> I was going to say that um, I know that like Dave Batista has mentioned wanting to be done with this. 
Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people were expecting him to die. In fact, many of the rumors that went out were gonna were of him dying, and he didn't die. And I, I think that was like, while I knew it was coming, it was also very unexpected because like this man wants out of this role so bad. It's part of me thinking, is he actually done? And I guess I want to throw that to the two of you. Is he done, or is there a future with him in the MCU? Because I'm thinking it's the latter. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's definitely the latter. Just for what and when and where. I couldn't tell you, but Secret Wars, I mean, that's a safe bet you can say everybody's showing up in Secret Wars. Yeah, I don't think anyone is ever truly done. Um, and as we've seen, even if their character is killed, with like with Gamora, you know, you might be back. Um, I think that although Batista is done for now, you know, I'm sure if, if there's the right story or the right um, right moment in the future, maybe even the right paycheck in the future, he would come back. Um and I think it's similar to what we've seen with um, Chris Evans, right, and Captain America, because, you know, the the thing that was said was he's done, he's not going to come back. But wasn't it? D- didn't recently say that like if there's the right story or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, he would consider it. And I think that's. I, I want to think all actors are kind of open to that realistically. I mean, it makes sense. You, you can't got- turn down the money. <laughs> yeah yeah that's it's hard to it's hard to do that too um so do you guys have what are your favorite favorite moments of of this movie Anthony, I'm gonna let you go first too. I want to know um, Anthony's favorite parts because I feel like he has so many and I just need to know what they are I mean one thing I really enjoyed throughout was Cosmo and Craglin with the good dog and bad dog joke throughout the whole movie because i was like they're gonna wait till like some really cool moment to tell her good dog and of course they sure do um and then what i found was probably the funniest the one that made me laugh the most in the movie was when uh, mantis and drax were trying to get past that security guard and then she uses her powers to mm-hmm. have him have uncontrollable love for drax and as they pass the the guard Drex goes, you do that every time. And Mantis is just giggling away as she's walking away from it. So I really enjoyed those two. Just knowing that they have those in-jokes between them, like the constant doing that. And um, and then Gamora relearning um, Groot's language. That was, that was pretty awesome throughout. And at the very end, she let her guard down enough and Groot even caught up and kind of like was smug towards her. And, and as I was mentioning in the very beginning, of course, the fight scene with No Sleep Till Brooklyn, I was like, the one thing I have to see is rocket climbing on Groot's shoulder and shooting a gun in a 360 shot. And then it happened like about <laughs> 15 to 30 seconds later, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, I just need one. And then, you know, guns blazing. That was such a great moment. That whole fight scene was very reminiscent to me of like a lighthearted version of the hallway scenes from Daredevil. Yep. Like the, the 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 one shot at the very end, my nephew asked, he's like, "Is that one shot?" And I was like, "I don't know, but it looked like it was, and that's all I needed from that." That <laughs> fight was top notch. Um, I was actually, I'm gonna agree with you, Anthony. The one scene where Gamora figures it out, it was actually one of the scenes I really like cried at, was because I like in that moment, she partially embraces it, and yes, we do see her kind of turn away. But there's also the moment she like turns, you know, she doesn't turn to Peter, but she says, I bet we were fun. And like that was followed up, you know, first it was the Groot scene, which was like, oh, you understand him. You're in on the family now. And then she had that moment of like almost wanting it, but then like not letting herself have it, which I think is very, um, 
even though she said that she's also done with the part when she comes back, because I think she is too, um, we're going to have some resolution to that because that's not over either. In, in any aspect, there's no way that she doesn't join this family again. Um, it was one of my favorite romances in the MCU, so I hope it, it happens, you know. And if it doesn't, that's okay. At least it happened. But, like, I hope I hope they're fine. they find a way to reunite because, like, come on. Mm-hmm. It's well, too perfect. What do you think about, you know, the, the kind of hinted or teased Nebula, um, Nebula and Star-Lord romance is kind of the next the next generation of it all no it doesn't work no i mean i thought it was funny how they had that little scene but i think it was just played for humor at least i hope so so i don't know if anyone else picked up on it but first off i I just want to say real quick one of the best scenes of that entire film was when uh they used their f-bomb to get into like when they're having (laughs) to get when nubila's trying to get in the car I've watched that scene probably 10 times last night when I got home because it is just so funny and this is a perfect example of when to use the F-bomb. So I just want to say that real quick. But I got the sense that they were pushing Drax and Nebula together like Mm -hmm. as the film progressed. There was this sense of like they had a better camaraderie and I actually felt like the the, even though he was kind of he loves Mantis you can kind of feel that love for them. That she, when she was leaving, there was the two of them to pull up these maternal, paternal roles and were kind of coming together in a new way. And I thought, oh, is this the hint of some relationship here that I didn't see coming? Because I thought it was going to be Peter and Nebula. But then at the end, it kind of threw the curveball with the drag scene. And I was like, oh, that's kind of what I'm feeling. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that, though. Yeah, and I think so much of that, too, is from Batista's performance. Because even though he's, you know, covered in... in makeup and prosthetics and all of that like he manages to convey um like when when mantis is walking away you get that sense of loss like you you your heart breaks for him and Mm -hmm. like that's just that was so very powerful and i also there's another moment i think uh ready mentioned it too where um you know where the two of them are trying to get into like the rest of the organic security station um and there's that moment with the guard and Batista, like, there's just a moment in the performance where, like, he physically slumps and makes himself small. And it's just so, like, again, it's a testament to how good of an actor he is. And I think it's sort of like, you don't think Dave Batista would be a great actor, you know, wrestling and all of that. But I think it's just kind of, he had a lot of um, opportunity in this film to show that, yeah, he actually has some range and can do some cool stuff. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've always been under the impression that, like, wrestlers don't always translate to really good actors and i'm about to piss off people i'm so sorry <laughs> i don't think the rock's a good actor i oh, also well, don't yeah. i think most people would agree with yeah. that okay. i want to think unless but he's maui is... which i have to no. like we're, we're gonna have to talk about <laughs> but i think people are gonna be pissed off about this one mostly Uh-oh. i don't think john cena's a good actor i either. knew he was gonna say it all right i'm out i'm logging out y'all good night <laughs> okay other than peacemaker other than peacemaker name one film of his that is good it doesn't have to be a film. Total Bellas. He he played his role like to perfection on Total Bellas and on um the precursor to Total Bellas, the other WWE reality show. You lost me there. Okay, so so John Cena, you know, was was with Nikki Bella, I think, or yes, Nikki Bella in in the wrestling world and in, in in real life, and they had a reality show. Um, and Nikki Bella was on Total Divas. I'm, I'm like, I'm a wrestling person. I'm sorry. 
and John Cena would occasionally make appearances. And if you think reality TV is acting, he he did his performance on Total Bellas and Total Divas very well. So that's that's all I have to say about that. And with that, Guardians. No, <laughs> sorry. Well, we this is not a wrestling podcast. But I think that Dave Bautista does have a lot of acting chops. I think he's probably one of the better actors that we have out there. Mm-hmm. And this movie sold me on that. I mean, I loved him in Glass Onion, but like this film, I was like, oh my God. Like he was, he was like stabbing me in the heart with some of his scenes. And yeah. even though he was playing this very autistic character, um, he shows that like individuals who have autism are also capable of making these connections, which I think sometimes is a very common trope that people forget about is that like these individuals have deep connections with people Mm -hmm. and he sold me on it he sold me on it it makes you a little bit sad that if if he's done with it for a while because you know it kind of feels like we're just getting started a little bit with Drax and there could be some really interesting things down the line for him 100 percent um, so we, we talked about favorite moments. What are your guys, what, what didn't you like? What kind of bothered you about this film? If anything. The only thing I had off the top of my head is I didn't, I understand that it was a scheduling issue that they weren't able to get the original composer, I believe Tyler Bates. So they got mm-hmm. someone else. So eh. I just don't like how in the last two movies, when the guardians theme, you know, plays, it's always mm-hmm. a really cool moment and it's very triumphant. This time it didn't feel as pomp and circumstancey as it should. It was like, mm. oh, it, they they played it, but it wasn't like no goosebumps were forming or I didn't feel inspired. It was just like it was cool because like I want to say it was used when Adam Warlock was attacking um, them when they were on Counter Earth. I want to say, and then the second time I believe is when Rocket says his name is yes. Rocket Raccoon. I want to say that's the only two times I heard the Guardians theme. And I'm like, I mean, that's cool. But like part of the thing was using the theme when you had the whole group Mm -hmm. and they didn't really ever do that. Like if I recall 100%, it wasn't like, okay, you can see everybody and we're playing the Guardians theme like we did in the last couple of movies this time. Okay. It's funny you say that because I can't recall like hearing the Guardians theme at all in this movie. And, you know, normally I could. Um, like there was no goosebumps moment, like you said. So yeah, it's something to think about. There was the one time that you're talking about the first time I heard it was literally like the shortest, like call towards it, like a hint. And then it was gone. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that you could have had that for the entire scene Mm -hmm. and we would have been all been a mess. You know what I mean? So I do feel like that was very, very obvious about that. Um, as for what I didn't like, and this might be nitpicking, but I felt that there was like a lot of body horror without a like a lot of warning about the body horror, specifically yeah. like yeah. there was High like motion. a monkey. Yeah. Well, the monkey that was ripping off the girl's face toward, at the end when it's she's the they're trying oh, to get the yes. animals off on the. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I remember what you're talking about. I that was, felt really I was weird. like, man, that thing is really aggressive. I was yeah. like, do they want to bring in all these animals to this? Like and the, with the kids of all things. Felt, yeah. felt kind of dumb, but like, okay. Yeah. So I, was, I wasn't I was expecting things like that. And there was a few scenes, Anthony, like you said, with the high evolutionary that I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this for like mm-hmm. a Marvel movie. I wasn't expecting yeah. his face um, like to be that wrecked, I guess. 
I didn't and, know what I expected, but I knew that they had scratched it up. But man, when he peeled that back, I'm like, wow, Rocky got him good. And compliments to the like to the special effects artists and the makeup artists and all that, because holy crap, that looked really realistic and mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I don't know if like, I don't, is it PG thirteen with that? I don't know. I can see that as being the subject of some nightmares, but that's a different discussion. (laughs) Um, So I found, because I know you guys mentioned yours, I found the whole organic space station really weird. Um, It's just like, I don't know, like something that very visceral and and bothersome about it. Like when they were cutting into the the skin of the space station Mm. and there's like hair and stuff, just that freaked me out. So that was like my least favorite part of it which isn't which is just like a set piece again compliments to the like the makeup people the sfx people because like they did a really good job for that to be so uh freaky (laughs) um but yeah so anything else about like least favorite things or any other general comments that you guys kind of Uh, i wish we could have got a little bit more time with the high evolutionary and um for as awesome as Adam Warlock is, I actually wasn't that impressed with his intro. Cause like, really, I know you'd think oh, me of all people would really like that. Cause they put on crazy on you. And then they just, I don't know. It was just like abrupt. It was fine, but I was just like, Oh, okay. We're just throwing Adam Warlock in here and he's flying. And then he shows up, which was fine. Were you expecting it when he, you know, I guess rocketed in, um you know it's a nowhere where you kind of did you know that that okay completely forgot about it just like all of a sudden I'm like wait what happened I was like just confused and then (laughs) I was like crazy on you and then this dude shows up I'm like well I guess that's an appropriate song choice I don't know for what he's about to do it felt like the I don't know what it was but there was something about the the beginning that felt so rushed I feel like we were like I feel like a lot of movies like ease you into the story. And this one went from like, you saw the flash back to part of rocket. And then it was like him walking through nowhere. Peter was drunk. And then like, but there wasn't like a lot of dialogue or anything. It was like, just like boom, boom, boom. And then within, Oh, Adam Warlock shows up, destroys everything. And also we're going off to save rock. It just felt like, I was like, Whoa, Whoa. We like buy me dinner first, dude. Like, you know, it was just very quick. In some ways, I feel like the holiday special, if you hadn't seen that, you might not have had the same, um, I guess, appreciation for what Nowhere was and the new Nowhere, because I think, you know, having having that extra time there really was helpful. Um, and we didn't mm. get it in this movie. You know, we just kind of were were pretty quick off to the, the destruction yeah, of the beautiful, like, fallout-like world. Um, and I will, I will never not see that and think Megaton. So that's that's my <laughs> own personal issue. But yeah, um, do you think, you know, Reddy mentioned the high evolutionary. Do you think that, was he a good villain? Was he? Um... Yeah, easily. Best villain since Thanos. He was actually terrifying in every aspect of the way. Ooh, yes. I mean, he managed, he managed to make gravity bend around him. The dude had the the... <laughs> what's it called the ambition to make himself a god i mean that's scary just from a mental you know aspect 
And then what got me was the abuse he was doing on Rocket, like, you know, making them all happy. And then all of a sudden, like, you really think you're going to be a part of this world? Like, just utilizing it. And mm -hmm. the pure offense he took from Rocket being smarter than him, because mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't say it, but he sure did relay it to the animal that he's like, how did you, you, you little thing that I made know something that I didn't? Because, I mean, you could tell he was not happy that Rocket figured it out. And the way Rocket figured it out was just so like, huh, look, you know, you just need to turn it this way and, and it'll work. Like, it was just so off the cuff for him. And, and even afterwards, like, he's had Rocket gone for years. He's making this new. And how many times did he repeat the same thing? He's like, these little girls can solve this equation in two minutes, but they can't do anything. That's just memorization. So, yeah, he's a uh, he's scary for sure. I think he was the villain that I wanted King to be. Mm -hmm. And like, I as much as I liked Amon and the Wasp, looking back, I was like, oh, this is actually what I wanted. I wanted a villain who actually gave me chills. And there was not a single scene with the High Evolutionary that I didn't even have chills. Even when the one scene that threw me off guard that gave me chills was when he's sitting there with Rocket and Rocket is solving the equation. And they're like, he's sitting in, you know, uh, cross legged on the floor and he's looking out at Counter Earth. And like the whole delivery was just like giving me chills. It was just very like oozing. Like, oh, this, there's just something wrong about this person. Even though mm -hmm. at that point, like we only got hints of how bad he was. And I think it's something, Anthony, that you pointed out too in one of our chats is that he didn't hold back in any way like some of the other, you know, villains that he like made those monsters and they were head rage. So he just killed, he incinerated them and watched them burn and had Rocket watch them burn. And what he did to Layla and like he got rid of her arms to give her mechanical arms. And like there was just no, there was like no rest for him. He mm -hmm. just was his pursuit was so diabolical that I was like, Oh God, this is fantastic. In fact, if we're going to replace King, he should hundred percent replace King. Cause I feel like he's going, he could kill it. It was just so nonchalant how he's like, well, this is a mistake. And then pulled the ship out of counter earth, knowing it was going to destroy it. Yeah. It didn't even phase him a little bit. Mm -mm. Just casual destruction of so many lives. And like you mentioned, like with the incinerating like bread at the that. grocery store. Exactly. Yeah. It was so meaningless to him. Um, and I thought, he, yeah, I agree with you completely that he gave me chills. He And the performance just was so incredible. And I think there's this one line or this one like sequence of lines that's, I think, going to stick with people. And I, somebody is saying something about God and he's like, God wasn't there. So I stepped in. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God. And like. That was good. That was incredible. Um, I think it really speaks to what like how how horrible he is right and we don't mm -hmm. know why we don't know why he's in this pursuit of perfection uh perfection which could be kind of interesting to learn out later um or did i miss it um but i don't i don't think we know why why he just wants no these perfect... i don't think they ever tell you why and i think no, it still don't. works even though we don't know his motivations right um i, I, I actually just... almost liked not getting the explanation because mm -hmm. i feel like in sometimes with these films, if you get too much of an explanation, I, I think back to like the last episode of Loki, which I loved Loki, but like when he who remains is like monologuing and stuff like that, I feel like it's almost you're like trying to like sympathize with him. And I think it was better for the high evolutionary to not sympathize with him. He yeah. wasn't a great person. There was no way to really humanize that at all. <laughs> Excuse me. And we don't need eight movies to see that he's not great. 
we no. get like right off the bat like holy crap this guy is really scary he's a bad dude mm. um yeah and there's also another line he says too that just it stuck with me over the first time after i saw it the second time i just couldn't stop thinking about it where he wants rocket so bad and first off he won't call rocket rocket even though everybody else does you know he won't even call it raccoon it is his subject number mm-hmm. but when um star lord jumps out of the window with his helper and then Groot does and he's just like what a waste like and it's just like so mm-hmm. he could not care less in any way and for some reason that really stuck with me I was like this man only cares about what he wants and we saw him later when he's like thinks he's losing all and they're like his people are like we should abandon this and he's like no we're not abandoning it he kind of goes a little crazy um but everywhere else he's just so calm and collected and I think that's what King wanted to be and it wasn't you know he's so driven right he's in such Mm -hmm. in in pursuit of this singular thing and he didn't die at the end and that was very interesting to me Um, you know his Mm -hmm. ship was destroyed but Mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't see his body get you know Mm -hmm. wrecked so I think that leaves open the door I don't know what you guys think oh I don't I have this rule in my head ever since um John Barrowman played Malcolm Merlin and Arrow and he said, you can't kill a good bad guy. <laughs> and I think back to that all the time because I think it's true that when you have a good bad guy, he does come back in some form or the effects are still there and you still have the psychological damage. I do not think he is done. And I think it would be interesting now that Rocket is leading the Guardians to have him come back with a, his second counter Earth or with Mount Wondegore because that's where he is in the comic books. That's where his um, his mountain is. And bringing that dark magic, the chaos magic maybe into it and having, you know, he was actually part of the creation of uh, Wanda and uh, Pietro in the comic books and stuff. So so, so tying back to some of that, um, I think would be very interesting. I think he's coming back and I, he should come back because I think he may be the best, my favorite villain out of all of them. And I kind of want to know too, because Red said it's the best one since um, Thanos. But, like, where does he rank overall? So, like, part of the question there. That's a great question. I think Thanos, they tried to sympathize him too much. They tried to make people see that, like, his motivation was right. And so a lot of people sympathize with him. I don't. I mean, even in, <laughs> in World, Thanos was right, right? Some people believe that. And I have people who've seen the films, and they're like, well, Thanos isn't wrong. And so to me... Like, it's good to have a sympathetic villain, but, like, to have one that's just a villain for no other reason, you know, like, a Freddy Krueger, you don't have to know that he's a good person, because he's not. No, High Evolutionary probably would take the cake. I mean, he's pure evil. He has no problem destroying his own creations and his own people, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mental abuse that he puts out is is pretty wicked towards his own subjects and people that work for him. And also he's making, or he's running that backup company illegally to get around regulations. So but well, it was, all in all, he's a bad dude. The fact that they m- mentioned, what was it, intergalactic law was kind mm-hmm. of funny considering, you know, his abilities and, and what was it, intergalactic patents um, was kind of, was kind of funny and amusing. Um, do you guys think that what he had, his powers were magic or were they tech? Like how, oh. was that clear to you? I thought it was tech. 
I mean, it's essentially engineering, because you could tell the dude was really good at creating things. But um, so I wonder though if it's something along the lines of what Thor said years ago about like all magic is just advanced tech, you know? And like, I wonder if something like that, like it does, it's just so advanced that he's his maybe one of his goals was to perfect the world to perfect himself so he could have power so he could be perfected so he could live forever because mm-hmm. it seemed like there was a little bit of fear like there was vanity you know with the face and there was the fear of of not carrying on something um which you know according to evolutionary psychology immortality is just passing on our legacy or our genetics in a way and that's all we're trying to pursue here so he, for him he was doing genetic legacy here through his creatures so i don't i want to say tech too i'm sorry that was a long answer for that i want to say it's tech yeah what do you think isla i mean i want to i want to think it's tech and i just want to i think because he like he is seems to be a very obviously advanced being he's been around for many many thousands of years right there's this moment where he's talking about music with rocket and he's got a recording that's like five thousand years old so either he, that, like that was raised from some other civilization or he um, from wherever place he came, wherever civilization he came, maybe that was maybe something from like from his people. So I want to say it's just tech that we think is magic because it's so advanced. For all we know, he could have perfected cloning and just cloning himself. Yeah. I mean, he was doing or... bioengineering. How could he not just grab a sample of himself and make more or who knows? Or is he a king variant? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> God, imagine if they play that back. New theory article soon to drop. Not me. Yeah, give me give hurts. me two hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh. you know, we we've talked about the high evolutionary. Now, what do you think about his creations? Because we've seen a lot of them in this movie. We saw we saw Rocket in his origin story, obviously, and then we saw Counter Earth which for all of us kind of um, is special in some ways, because I know you guys spent so much time decoding, um, decoding the language of counter. Yeah. Which wasn't even in the movie. I like, I was waiting for that, that moment and it wasn't there and I was mad. Took it out. Wait, but but wait, just, just, there was a few points and I actually looked at this because when I was uh, on Saturday, when I was with uh, uh, my person um, and we were watching it, and I leaned over and I was like, I helped the coat some bat. So there is the can of soda that they have. Oh, the delicious the table. soda. Right. Yes. The nebula. Yeah. And one of our exclusives was featured a wall. And that wall was in there because it was where the oh, yeah. the one animal was beating beating up the other. And I was like, I know that wall. I know that wall. That is our wall. I stared at it for a while. <laughs> so there were some points, and I was like, I was trying to to do it what i'm mad about is that we had the we had the police truck car that had counter earth on it and that police car was not in that film Mm -hmm. at all and i was like i want that police car um but it was also the car that they drive to the high evolutionaries place but without the thing on the side so i don't know if they erased it because it didn't test well or something but um I wonder if they couldn't get clearance for it because, you know, you I guess you have to pay Buick or something like that or whatever oh. kind of car it was to to feature it. And maybe that's not something they were able to do. Sure. 
while we're talking I, about that scene that drawing from peter was amazing was it not are you gonna hang it up and frame it i'm gonna frame it in my apartment <laughs> just like a hundred percent um i wish we saw more of counter earth i think that's my one that's one other thing that i thought about is that the you know the were they bats the family the bat yes. family yeah. i guess i'll say yes when he went in there with them i was like oh they're so interesting and in the way they were trying to connect and it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh michelle yo you know and i was just like oh i want to see more of them and we didn't get a real good taste of them and so i feel like if we had a little more time with counter earth and the people there the impact of him just leaving and burning them to incineration would have had a higher like oh no like it was already bad enough like if we got to know these people a little bit more and we started to sympathize with them a little bit more you would hate him even more <laughs> and so i did want that i did want that i felt so so sad for that bad family but the dad the dad knew what was up whoever the actor was and i don't know who he was like communicated so much with his limited um you know limit, limited communication ability there and i was just he he knew what was going to happen to his family as soon as, as soon as the aliens showed up yeah. the guardians <laughs> um all right so um what do we think about blurp i think blurp yeah yeah <laughs> he's definitely it's cuter than morris no, you take yeah. that back. I knew Brian was going to get upset if I said that. Anthony Flagg, I thought we were friends. <laughs> too. Oh, man. I mean, he was cute. I didn't see, I didn't, he didn't really serve a purpose. Oh. Look at Kylo. We have a special guest, everybody. You just can't see him. We, we have uh, Anthony's pup. And he's amazing. And he wants to get him framed for some reason. Aww. Well, actually, that's a that brings to a, a great question. Um, so what did you guys think of Cosmo? And is Cosmo a good dog or a good dog? And I think Vic asked us this in in mm. comments, like because that's the only option. I love. I loved Cosmo so much. I think that Cosmo was one of the best additions to the Guardians team and one of the main reasons why I want number four is just so I can get more Cosmo the, the whole bad dog running joke it, me and my nephew went the first night and we, we, had, a, we had a pretty good um, crowd going and everybody gasped like they had been shot when he said you're a bad dog and there was not a person in that film <laughs> that was not Mm -hmm. angry and i felt that and i was like oh no how dare you like cosmo is all dogs are good dogs no matter what um i love cosmo i hope that we see more of cosmo that's it that's all <laughs> i have to say i love cosmo i love that cosmo is playing cards at the table with everyone yeah. <laughs> that, that was awesome was it poker i don't know that that scene was really good um, and we yeah. got to see Howard the Duck too there. Yeah. Um, and the trader from the first Guardians, the one that was going to buy the orb. Oh, yeah. And then as well as uh, the singer from the old 97s that was in the holiday special, he was he made a appearance as well. Mm -hmm. So it was, I'll tell you which, which appearance really surprised the hell out of me was seeing Yondu show up. I did not expect oh, that. Oh, my. I, I, I did not. It I didn't know that so it was well, going to happen. Though. Yeah. And it was so brief. It was enough. It was just like, here, really quick. You miss them. You love them. See them real quick. And then let's get back to the story. So 
that made me yeah. happy. You imagine though those five words, right? And how many hours in in you know makeup to turn blue, but it was so worth it. Yeah. But this brings up a, another point, I guess I um I have about it. How did it I granted we don't know if he disappeared during the blip, but between five to ten years he hadn't Craglin hadn't learned how to use that arrow yet. Right. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. He had other things going on, apparently. I don't know what they were. And we keeping don't either. Peter, keeping Peter moving. Seemed like that was a team effort. Do you so you know we, we're talking about Sean Gunn a little bit, who's Craiglin. Do you guys there's been a lot of commentary online um about James Gunn using his family um from from his brother to his wife to his friends. What do you guys think about that? Um like, do you think it works in this film, or do you think it, it's worked over all the Guardians films? I think it's worked for his career. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a good good group of people he works with, and like, from my understanding, is that a lot of the people he works with, he bases on on referrals. Like, you know, hey, this person I know said a good thing about you, so that's why mm-hmm. I brought you onto this set. You know, um, everybody was freaking out about Daniela Melchior joining, and they were thinking she was going to play this, that, and that. She ended up just being, you know, the receptionist the sort of receptionist. Thank you. Yeah. The manager, or, or whatever or, it was. Right. So like, you know, everybody was thinking she was going to be this huge role, but no, she just showed up, was important for about five minutes and, and moved on. And, you know, he brought in Nathan Fillion, who he's worked with for years over many things. So not too surprising. Hell, he even brought in Pete Davidson, who he had briefly in the Suicide Squad, who died in the very beginning of that movie. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. He. He's got to have a reason to keep these people coming around and they put in good at, you know, good I'm, performances. I miss Davidson. What was he in this movie or where he was, was one he? of the guards in the high evolutionaries room inside of that ship, uh, but it's like so fast. You'd have to be like looking for him. Oh, uh, was he the he's guy one, like under all the prosthetics? No, no. He's one of the, just one of the guys that gets shot by Groot and Peter. Okay. Yeah. I um, missed it too twice. <laughs> it's like like literally blinking. You miss it. You have to be like looking for him. He's like in the background on the left of High Evolutionary. If you were looking at him, okay. Like like back there, you you wouldn't just see him like out front. Do you think Nathan Fillion's um, little storyline was kind of in service of the story? Do you think it was a distraction? Do you have any opinions of it? Like, did it help? Mm, didn't really do much for me, but you know. A lot of Nathan Fillion fans, they got a couple minutes of him in the MCU. And it was pretty funny. I mean, he knows he's good with comedy. I I enjoyed it, but like did it add anything to the story? No. No. I mean Nathan Fillion though is Nathan Fillion. He's yeah. he's great always, but no. it, it felt of... like they almost needed more time at uh, uh Orgo Corp. And like so they were just like trying to find something to fill the time. <laughs> Was it necessary? It was almost like a fun little side quest um, yes. that, yeah. like, that sort of became the main story for a bit. Um, but I don't know. I liked. Um, I'm disappointed if this is all we will see him as in the MCU. And I kind of like because I I could see him as something else. And I know there's been a lot of talk about him being um, in either different shows or different movies. So. I wasn't expecting this. Which in the first Guardians, he actually cameos on a poster as Simon Wonder Williams, Man. Wonder yeah. Man. 
And so it's interesting that they went a different way, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so we're almost at time, but we have a couple more things to, you know, to talk about. So, Red, this is going to go to you first. What is your overall favorite song on the soundtrack? Like, what? what In the meantime, by Space Hog, the scene okay. when they were um, in the airlock coming out and landing on the Orgo Corp. It's just something about when they hit into the chorus that was really good. And it's just seeing them all just float side by side. It was just a really cool shot, really colorful shot, you know, because mm-hmm. people have been complaining about there being like a gray tone to MCU films. But man, that, that, that movie was a visual buffet of graphics effects. So in the meantime, yeah. It was a visual far buffet in such a way that ant-man wasn't right it it did weird and and colorful yeah and then the other one is probably easily the nosebleed till brooklyn but i mean that's a given okay okay i those were all great scenes but the one that really hit me hard was the uh the dog days are over Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting that song. And then when it played, and I was like, oh, when I, the first note I heard it, and I was like, oh no, like we're doing this. And um, I thought that was a excellent use of that song. And what a way to to end it. Like everybody's sad, and then everybody starts dancing, and then like everyone's not sad, and like it was great. I love that one. I totally I love seeing agree. With you. Dance. Yes. Finally. He came full circle. Finally, because <laughs> right, he said in Guardians one that he doesn't dance, right? Something yeah. to that effect. And did he say idiots dance, or was that Nebula? He said he said uh, only idiots dance in this. Okay, film. yeah. And he called himself an idiot, didn't he, in this movie? So, um, and making the monkey noises was pretty great too. The non-monkey noises. Yeah, right. Me, 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 <laughs> is me, that what a monkey? Is that what a monkey sounds like? That was, <laughs> that was also really funny. I was like, yeah. yeah. You can't help but laugh at it. Um, right. So, you know, the ending, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what do you, you guys didn't tell think? us what your favorite song used was. No, I, I totally agree with it. The dog days are over. So oh, okay, I, I figured. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was wonderful. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, Nosley Till Brooklyn is who, who can hate the Beastie Boys as well. So, yeah. Right. Who? <laughs> you almost got me there. I almost got mad. <laughs> Uh, and you'll never know if I'm kidding or not. Anyways, what's the next question? <laughs> I wonder. No. Um, so the ending, do we think is this the end for the Guardians? We touched on it a little bit earlier. Um no. nope. do you like the new guys, the new guardians? I love the new the new lineup of the guardians. I think it's real fun, really funny too. And I can't wait to hear more about what they've been up to and other into you cosmic sided things, you know, hearing about what they've just reporting or stuff that background throwaway lines. So it's awesome that they got as a collective, they've already been working long enough to where they all have opinions on the music, you know, like mm-hmm. that little scene where they're talking. So clearly they've been on a couple missions already. So I want to hear about what they've been up to. Did you notice anything about that scene? Because I think um I think one of our 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 friends in Discord, um, disappointingly lethargic or disappointing I'm butchering the name right now um, because I'm having a brain fart, but asked us about Phyla Bell and she was in that scene where they're talking about the music while they're waiting to save the 
planet inhabitants. Um, did you catch that at all? Her eye was purple. Yeah, she had little like power ups on her arms too. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, she's definitely made some progress in some way. I can imagine Rocket made her something to like help her channel her powers. Cause I mean, uh, there's that one point where Nebula says to Gamora, that little thing has made all the upgrades to us, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. oh, nice catch. I didn't really think about it too much. Um, do we think so? A couple post credit scenes or mid credit scenes. Um, let's talk about Star Lord. So it said, I think the legendary Star Lord will, will return. return. Yep. I wasn't so. expecting them to say that, but I was also like, I think it gave a very good indication, like the direction of, like, we're not losing these characters. I don't mm -hmm. think anybody in their right mind is actually thinking that we're losing these characters. Um, they're coming back. They have to. They, they could to. pop up anywhere. Yeah. Where, though, is the important question. And I'm working <laughs> on an article. Um, I can't say because I am working on an article of where we might find the legendary Star Lord next. Is it no, the Marvels? I find it interesting that they picked. All <laughs> right. <laughs> but I thought uh... that they went with the legendary Star Lord rather than St. Peter Quill. Mm -hmm. You know, and not just that, but normally when they do that, they write it in regular text in the small font in the middle. This time they did in a huge font across the whole screen. I don't yeah. know if that's the new norm. Too. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, that was different because remember Black Panther 2, it said Black Panther will return, but it was like black screen with white text and it was just in the middle, like no big deal. But this one was like, bam, like Peter's mm -hmm. coming back, but they call him Star Lord. So did so. you guys catch the newspaper? Um yes. And, yes. yes. The the Kevin Bacon shout out to the holiday special. Yes, I <laughs> loved was, that. It, yeah. it actually felt good because I was worrying if it was going to be ignored. And for a long chunk of the film, it felt like it was being ignored, except for the fact that they mentioned Peter and um, Mantis being related. Mm -hmm. um, that was really that, early in the movie, too. I thought that was nice yes. that they got that yes. out of the way. It was. And so, like, when they did that, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Um, I'm totally I'm taking my mom for Mother's Day and I'm anticipating that the moment she's going to cry is when he shows back up at the grandpa grandpa's yep. house. Oh, man, because that's going to ruin her. And like, I, I love that for her. <laughs> I love that for her. Um, That scene, that scene was perfect. I thought that was the perfect way to like, if he wasn't coming back, you wouldn't have to have anything else. You know, mm -hmm. he could continue doing that. The fact that we're getting him back in. um, I'm very excited. I but to answer your question, I think it's going to be Nova. If when and if Nova shows up, I think he is going to be the person that's going to help Nova get from Earth because I think it's going to be what Sam Alexander is the kid to space. That's a good place where it could be. Um, and I'm curious to see. I hope we'll learn more about Nova, but I know there's a lot of schedule shifting and and things going on. Um, I I the moment where I completely lost it was where he you know, saw his grandfather. Like I hadn't cried the entire movie and then that I couldn't hold it anymore. Like at that point. So that was such oh. a powerful scene. Such a powerful uh, moment. Yes. Okay. Well, um, this has been wonderful guys. Is there, you know, is there anything else that you want to get off your chests about um, guardians of the galaxy before we yes. go back into One the last real thing. world? Okay. It's uh, I'm really glad that rocket, you know, exclaimed his name was rocket raccoon. That was, a, oh. that was a very sweet way to like finally have him say the full thing. And it was very powerful rather than just like, yeah, I'm Rocky Raccoon. Like, no, I am with this whole chest. 
I wish you we know, had. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I wish we had more time to talk about the little raccoons and Lila and Teefs <laughs> and Floor because we didn't talk oh. about that at all, and they were so important. You know, I was I was actually when he finally said Rocket Raccoon, did I had this sense all of a sudden I was like, oh my god, this has been a trilogy of origin stories for Rocket. Like I don't like that was in that moment. That's all I thought about. I was like, this was not about the team. This was for getting Rocket from the beginning of it to this and now his mm-hmm. story is actually beginning i feel like that is the main takeaway i had for guardians 3 um and i don't i'm so sad we didn't get to talk about floor teeths and lila because they were probably one of the best parts of that film and they took it to heartstrings the entire time and lila you know. says that too though i'm real quick i want to mention that lila says like it's been about you this entire time um mm-hmm. so yeah and we didn't talk about groot either now that i'm thinking about it and and you know we got to talk about group. We can't just leave them out of this. <laughs> the, the the most important guardian. I don't know. He, when he pulled those guns out of his chest and his back. Yep. I thought I was going to die and go to heaven. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like this character went from an old stoic tree to a baby. To a bratty to, teenager. To a bratty teenager. To a badass. Mm-hmm. Like he's got the hang, the hang And then he's glider. super swole. Yeah. Super swole. He got that from Thor. Let's be honest here. He spent too much time with Thor and he's like, I need a body like that. You you know what? Now that you mentioned it, he probably did work out with him a little bit at some point. So yeah, mm-hmm. he probably learned his regiment. The same training. That's training. what I'm saying. Yeah. Stuff, God yeah. level training. Literal. At the end of the movie, we hear Groot speak in English as the audience. Um, what do you what is your takeaway from that? James Gunn confirmed something about that today. Yes, I was just going to see it. Oh, yep. you took it from me. Because I saw the article an hour after it was posted. It's on io9. And it was about the fact that after all these years, we're in on the joke and we can finally understand Groot. Groot did not change the way he spoke. He did say, I am Groot. But now that we're part of the family, mm-hmm. we heard it as, I love you guys. And I thought that was amazing. And he retweeted and said, yes, this is indeed the case. So I am Groot. And I am great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I as soon as that happened, I did not think of that. But when I read it from James Gunn, I was like, that's exactly mm-hmm. that's exactly what we needed. We need we're part of the family now. Well, they and... did it right after Gamora finally understood him. So it's like to even sell it even better, it's like Gamora understood him, now we understand him. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think that's a perfect note. Um, We're all done today. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. You can find all of our content at thecosmiccircus.com, including our continuing coverage on the MCU. Um, Where can folks find you guys and your writing and thoughts? I'm Anthony Flagg. You can find me at Radova underscore on Twitter. Um, My name is Brian Kitson. You can find me at Kitson301 on Twitter and you can find me every week on the cosmic circus. And I'm Isla Ruby and you can find me at T U L I N writes on Twitter. Um, It's been wonderful. See you guys next time. And I am Groot.